Hello and welcome to the SBA. We are the Small Business Advisors bringing you content that you care about. Today's topic is very important in the era of COVID. We're going to be talking about the supply chain. Now, Joe, I'm going to pass this over to you. Okay, great. Uh, thanks a lot, Rob. So the big thing is we know in the business world that things are going to happen, right? The one thing that we know for certain is there's always going to be disruption of some force. Well, whether that's labor force or supply chain. And in this case, we're going to talk about supply chain. You will hear, anybody who's gone to business school and, or anything like that, you have to do just-in-time inventory, which was created by the Japanese. And that is when one product runs out, the very last, you know, very last supply runs out, then your shipment arrives at your warehouse and you're ready all over again. And the premise behind that, the purpose behind that is, to save money on inventory. Well, I've been an opponent to just-in-time inventory because I owned a cookie factory and I knew if I ran out of a bag of flour, you know, I had, you know, 10 truckloads of flour delivered and I ran out of a, that last bag and that truck was three days out, talk about turnkey operations like we talked about earlier, I'm out of money for three days until I get that flour again. Well, you have weather, you have union strikes, you have shortage of human capital at your at the flour companies that can't produce flour or any supply uh, supplier for that matter. You have disruptions in the commodities market, right? And you have international conflict, a lot of risks all the way around. So what you do to, to reduce the probability of a supply chain disruption, you have enough on-hand inventory to operate. Now, this is going to cost some initial money but for 60 to 90 days, no matter what. And way back in the day with the COVID and toilet paper situations, <laughs> when people ran out and paper towels, they really wished they had a 90-day supply because it took about 90 days to get the factories back ramped up enough to get caught up. So you need to get that 60 to 90 days inventory, and that will help you with supply chain disruption. And always have three to, to five suppliers for each product you buy because natural things are going to happen depending maybe they were in texas when the hurricane hit in texas places got flooded factories shut down well if you were buying exclusively from that vendor now you're trying to find a vendor but if you all have all five on speed dial disruption of one product you could pick up the phone boom we got another one within 15 to 20 minutes at least a a purchase order. That means when you identify your vendors, make sure you're pre-approved with credit already. You have a credit line issued to you that you've sourced from a uh, spec standpoint, whatever you're buying, right? You have everything lined up that you've gotten sent samples, you ran samples, and you buy a small order from them regularly so you're consistently doing business. So share your purchasing amongst five different companies or at least three of the five you're constantly buying from and you rotate your orders. So they know who you are. Get assigned a salesperson. Get that salesperson's cell phone so you can call them seven days a week. And make sure that you maintain good relations with those individuals, right? With your vendors as a whole. Uh, because oftentimes what happens is your rep is going to change. Your vendor rep might change two or three times during the course of a year in some cases. Uh, make sure that you always know who the successor is going to be to your current rep. Um, and then not only do you have fun, not only do you have all their contact information, but call them and work out a streamlined form of communication. Uh, that's something that, uh, you know, in the uh, lumber building materials industry is 
absolutely vital, right? Um, we like to streamline communication. And, um, and basically, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're dealing with a vendor that prefers email communication, make sure you know that, right? Um, if you're dealing with a vendor who provides, uh, who, uh, who prefers verbal communication, um, you know, make sure that you have that, uh, you know, that you have that rep cell phone number and also identify when they're accessible and when they're not, right? Because you don't want to be placing an order at 2 a.m. when nobody's there to, uh, when, when nobody's there to fill it until the following day. Um, so vendor relations transcend just having a quote unquote warm relationship with the rep. Um, it, it, it it basically comes down to having an organized form and cadence to your communication with them. You could also ask them, and, and Natalia, you could touch on this as well when it comes to reps. You could ask them to meet you face to face. When are you going to be in town? I'd love to meet up with you. Let's grab a cup of coffee or, or a, a, a light bite to you know to eat, and then you can share stories and create that bond. I mean, the warmer that relationship is, the better off you are. What? Do you have people coming into your place of business uh, trying to meet with you, or is it predominantly done over the phone, email, etc.? Well, I will say to, I will touch on that, but I'm going to touch on this topic first. Oh, sure. When I first started it with my business, I needed to find a rep. I needed to find a product line that I was going to retail and utilize within my shop. Right, yeah. So I went online, I'd done my research, and I realized there was one line that I didn't really want to use. So I contacted the company to see who, how I could be assigned a representative to help me with my business. And they gave me the number of one woman who was nearby. And so, and she, she, I think I was able to contact her, I believe. And we did meet face to face within my shop. Hmm. Excellent. And it, and we kind of built up from there, but we also met more times in person than we did over the phone. Hmm. And Rob, yeah. I know you have an opinion towards this. Uh, yes. Yeah, so supply, so we're talking about supply chain, right? That is so important for both big scale and small scale. And you nailed the head, or nailed it around the head with developing relationships. Mm -hmm. That is so important. I've had this philosophy uh, with all the businesses I run. If I'm gonna do business with you, I wanna make sure I know who you are. Yeah, exactly. uh, I, don't do any, I don't do a lot of business with strangers, I really don't. Uh, so if I'm gonna be making uh, those kind of, uh, you know, uh, vendor uh, partnerships, or I'm gonna bring in anything like that, I want to make sure I'm going to the people that I know I can trust. And that comes down to building those relationships. To your point, getting a cup of coffee, having a light lunch, something like that. That is so, so important because not only does it develop a great relationship, which has you know benefits that come along with it, like, hey, I got a new product. I'm going to let you guys have early access to it because I know we're friends, but things of that nature. But also, during times of crisis, you can lean on those relationships and maybe be able to get something that you couldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah, I love what you touch on from the human nature aspect of it because the reality of it is if you know somebody's kids names spouse's name where they went to school what their hobbies are favorite football teams basketball teams whatever what they'd love to do in their spare time from a hobbyist standpoint and you have this bond and relationship when things go crazy in a market an uncontrollable hyper inflationary whatever it is market and you're on the phone with them. Who do you think they're gonna? Who do you think they're gonna favor, right? Talia that they're meeting, uh, you know, every single week for a cup of coffee, or somebody who they talk to once every 18 months, and somebody in 18 months calls, hey, you know, uh, I need you to send the, the shipment to me immediately. They're gonna say, well, okay, well, I'm sorry, uh, supplies tight right now. Hey, Talia, sure, uh, you need this supplies tight. I'll get it to you tomorrow. How's that sound? 
that's all about, and I love that you brought that up, Rob, that's all about leveraging the yes. relationships in the supply yeah. chain. And that's something that we lose a lot. Right. I mean, as yep. entrepreneurs, we got to be friends with everyone, right? Sure. That's it, It's yep. so, so important to develop these uh, relationships, but also do it genuinely, right? right? Yeah, if you're coming in going, oh, how was the ball game, right? They're going to see through you. Uh, definitely be genuine in these. So look, you had something here? Um, yeah, um, only because this is a big hot topic with me and my business, is that with the supply chains, I have, I'm having a hard time with all the difficulties of, shipments coming in even receiving my supplies in the first place sure yeah yep. and so there's been a few times for instance i need gloves to do my work and there i'm very picky there's a certain type of gloves that i do <laughs> like to right. use yeah and from a certain company problem is my supplier all three of my suppliers are not retailing it wow how do you like that yeah. or they are but I can't ever seem to get my hands on them in time. Mm. That's another thing, too. Uh, and I think this is really important. We need to underscore this. Location of your suppliers. Mm -hmm. So that's a part of just-in-time. You know, the whole premise of just-in-time is you're supposed to be really close to your supply chain. So a great example is car manufacturers in, in Michigan, in Detroit. All their suppliers were relatively close around that um, that. Um, the geographic area of Detroit within 30, 40 minutes. But when there was severe storms, they didn't have access. Well, now we have a, a greater challenge. And that is supplies are coming in from other nations, right? And we're all capitalists and, you know, we want people to do well. But I do have an issue uh, from a supply chain standpoint, buying products made, say, for example, in China, right? And um, I know the globalists love the idea of, of buying from China, but the problem is, they control the supply chain. And we saw this firsthand historically the last couple of years, uh, several years ago, when they said gloves and facial masks are only going to the Chinese entities. We are not sending it to the United States. Meanwhile, what happened? We didn't have a single manufacturer in the United States that we could draw enough supply from. So it's important for you as a manufacturer or as a business owner to reach out to domestic manufacturers in your country so you can rely on them first and foremost. And then you create your three to five relationships wherever you want, you can. The other thing is when you, if you have an explosion of quantity demand, people are buying your products like crazy because maybe you got in the media that week or something like that. Next thing is you're out of stock. Well, if you're buying internationally, I don't care what country, you're six to eight weeks on a container before it's here. You have no income for six to eight weeks. And I've had that. I've gone on major news networks and then my business exploded. We were out of stock. And we're, you know, baking 12 million cookies a day. We were done. And every day we were, you know, 30 million cookies a day we'd have to bake to get to that. So we had to scale up. We had to have all these extra suppliers Thank goodness they were all U.S. based, and we had everybody stepped in to help us out to meet those uh, those challenges. Yeah, absolutely, that's great. And uh, Ryan, I want to bring you into this because uh, one aspect that we haven't talked about is being able to bring supply chains in house. And right. I know you have a lot of experience on this topic. And what are the advantages versus disadvantages of having the supply chain in house versus out? Well, a lot of larger entities um, they have the they have the financial capability to be able to make that decision. Um, for unfortunately, for a lot of small businesses. Is you you know you are looking at being completely or at least in part reliant on outside ent 
entities for you know for the purposes of supplying your product. Um, however, what I would say is this, right? Uh, when it comes to making that decision as you start to scale up, right? When it comes to making that decision, um, times like these make that decision a lot easier. Because if, if I were to say, uh, if, if I were to say right here, right now, whether or not it's a beneficial idea to vertically integrate up the supply chain, um, for, for let's say 90% of entities, I would absolutely say that that's critical right now. And one of the reasons why that's the case is not just because of the fact that we have container ships sitting in port for six weeks on end. Um, it's because now you control the means of production, right? Which means that some of your competitors now become dependent on you. Um, so it actually strengthens your market position. Um, and strengthening that position within your industry is going to be vital to future growth and also to expansion outside of your core competencies. What do you think about you, you, and you're not talking large because we're talking small business owners sure. here, not large vertical integration from mm -hmm. dollar wise. You can even add 3D printers, right? Sure, For absolutely. an expensive mm -hmm. cost. Right, exactly, and and that's where you know that's where cost benefit analysis comes into play. Um, you know, would you know would it be more practical to go out there and purchase those three D printers, or is it more practical to say, hey, you know what, I you know if you're in lumber and building materials, hey, you know what, I want to I want to control the means of uh, you know production of lumber. I want to control millwork. I want to control um, you know the process of manufacturing uh, doors or windows or something like that. Those are all questions that have to be asked, and um, you know, and, I, and and I'm a big believer in the idea that the more of that you control, um, the stronger your industry position will be, both in the short term and also in the long term if you're looking to be in if you're looking to be in long term then you definitely want to make sure that you are integrating up the and there's chain. one great way of doing this and i love this vertical integration conversation one great way of doing it is partnering up yep. save the money like i went out for, from a backward vertical integration i went back to all my suppliers mm -hmm. and partnered with them and took ownership in their companies because then I didn't have to start all over again and learn. Because you know small business owners are not gonna say, how do I make extensions? I mean, the probability of you doing that is almost zero, right? But you can partner up with an extension company who makes it in your own backyard. You have easy access. You're not investing that time to do that. And you're able to leverage that relationship. They get something from you, you get something from them, true partnership. That is perfect advice right there. And I think uh, we can wrap up on that. That was a perfect note. Definitely. So yeah, this is the SBA. We are the Small Business Advisors, bringing you content that you care about. Thank you for like, sharing, and subscribing. Please comment down below. Is there something on this topic that we didn't cover? Is there a future topic you would like for us to cover uh, in a later video? Thanks for watching.